Hi, and welcome to the Veterans Legal Lowdown, brought to you by Chisholm, Chisholm, and Kilpatrick, a law firm representing veterans nationwide. In each episode, we break down a different VA disability topic or share our take on the latest VA benefit news. This is the Veterans Legal Lowdown from Chisholm, Chisholm, and Kilpatrick. I'm Maura Clancy. I'm Emma Peterson. And I'm Nicholas Briggs. And today we're talking about hearing loss and tinnitus. We're just going to talk generally in the beginning about what tinnitus and hearing loss actually are. So we'll start with tinnitus. That's the probably the lesser known um, condition. So Nick, can you tell us what tinnitus is and how it's diagnosed? Sure, Maura. Um, so tinnitus is effectively a sound that a veteran can hear that can't be attributed to an external source. Um, so basically it's something that they can hear that no one else can hear. Um, it's usually described as a ringing, a whooshing, or a buzzing sound. Um, and the way that VA diagnoses tinnitus is based off of the veteran's subjective reports. So if they say that they're experiencing these sounds, um, they'll generally speak and can see that the veteran has a diagnosis of tinnitus. So an important thing with that, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you don't actually need a medical diagnosis. It's just something that a person is competent to report when they find that they're experiencing the symptoms that Nick described. Exactly. Um, there is one rare type of tinnitus called objective tinnitus, where due to some structural defects like high inter-ear pressure, it does actually result in a sound that other people can hear. Um, but that will usually be rated with whatever's causing the underlying condition. Um, but tinnitus itself is, again, largely based off of the veterans' reports of hearing the sound. That's really helpful. And that separates tinnitus from other um, disabilities that VA requires doctors and medical professionals to diagnose before they'll recognize that you have the condition. But tinnitus is different, and lay statements are enough to to prove its existence, so that's good to know. And Emma, can you talk to us about um, hearing loss and how that is diagnosed? There are some particular tests at the VA. Right. So um, hearing loss in the real world um, is diagnosed when you have certain decibel levels lost at different frequencies of hearing. So, you know, everyone has taken as a child that test in elementary school, you put on the earphones, you know, you raise your hand when you hear the beep. Um, So something similar to that, there's a a pure tone audiometry test and they test at different frequencies. In the real world, hearing loss happens um, at a a lower number of of hearing loss than for VA purposes. But for VA purposes, um, like a number of other conditions, they require very specific things to Mm -hmm. prove hearing loss. Um, So you have to have two things, you have to have a licensed audiologist perform this test, this pure tone audiometry test. Um, You have to have hearing loss um, at 40 decibels or higher. Um, in any number of a certain set of frequencies, or they can be at 26 or higher, at three or more. I mean, there's a couple of combinations that go back and forth. Or you can undergo this uh, speech discrimination test called the Maryland speech test. Um, and, and that is how VA decides that you have hearing loss. So you might have a diagnosis of hearing loss from your primary care doctor, or even if you you know go to a private um, audiologist, they might diagnose you with hearing loss, but you might not have it for VA purposes. So you have to do these 
these very specific things to get a diagnosis of VA hearing loss for compensation purposes. And I think that's a point of confusion that does come mm-hmm. up because a person might be suffering from hearing loss that their doctor has told them about, but VA does have these very specific requirements. It has to rise to a certain level, and they confirm that through very specific testing. So just because you have been diagnosed with hearing loss doesn't necessarily mean that VA is going to recognize it for the purposes of whether it is a disability. So those different particulars are important to keep in mind. Um, And so now that we have a general understanding of what hearing loss and tinnitus are, let's talk about how to uh, become entitled entitled to benefits for those conditions. So um, first of all, one way is to file a claim for service connection. That's pretty much where you have to start. Um, Nick, can you tell us about what service connection is generally and then what you need to show to be successful in um, establishing that your hearing loss or tinnitus are related to service? Sure. So in basic terms, service connection is establishing that you had an in-service injury or event, um, that you have a current diagnosis for a condition, and then a medical nexus linking those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the case of hearing loss and tinnitus, some of the more common in-service events that we see are combat service itself. Um, and exposure to artillery fire and small arms fire, Mm -hmm. just because many veterans who serve in a combat situation aren't using hearing protection. Mm -hmm. So they're necessarily going to be exposed to those types of noise exposure. Um, But then there's also just more routine forms of exposure. Veterans who work as mechanics on vehicles who serve on airplanes without necessarily using hearing protection. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's generally speaking the most common way that people can establish that they have an in-service event for the purposes of getting service connection granted. Okay, great. So that's really helpful in terms of what um, some common things that we see and that people have experienced that's going to constitute the in-service event that your current disability is related to. But just to keep in mind, you also need to show first that you have a current condition. Um, As we just talked about, that can get a little bit tricky with the hearing loss rules. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also need to show that there's a nexus between what you have now and what you experienced in service. So Emma, can you tell us about how the compensation and pension exam process works because that's usually what VA will set up if you file a service connection claim to try to figure out whether your current condition is related to service. Right, and this can be sort of a stumbling point for many of our clients and I think many veterans in general when trying to get service connection for hearing loss and tinnitus Um, because if you're not claiming the condition until decades after service, which is very common and totally fine to do, please continue to do so, Mm -hmm. um, you might end up with a VA examiner saying, well, it's been so long. Um, This veteran is aging. Um, It's very common for people to lose their hearing. I can't possibly opine that, you know, their Purple Heart Combat Infantry Badge service where they're exposed to loud grenade fire in the middle of Vietnam and the height of the war caused their current hearing loss. Um, So they will set up the C&P exam. Um, I think it's important at that exam for you to be open and honest about how long your hearing loss has been affecting you when you first noticed it. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, you didn't really notice it until, you know, later in your life, but it's always been there. You didn't really realize it until later because that's very common, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people don't know what tinnitus is. They don't know why they have this buzzing sound. Um, They're not going to mention it at separation. They don't want to get held up. So... um, but the CMP exam for tinnitus is, and hearing loss is similar to a lot of other CMP exams. You go in, an examiner looks at your claim file. Um, they're going to do these tests to see if you have hearing loss for VA purposes. Um, and then they're going to check some boxes and opine whether or not your in-service incident uh, is the cause of your current hearing loss. 
Okay. All very important information. Yeah, a lot of information in that sentence. That was a long run-on sentence. (laughs) Well, a lot of information, but also I think Emma touched on the thing that we see most commonly with the compensation and pension exams for hearing loss and tinnitus is that time and time again, the examiner is saying it's been too long for their current condition to be related to their service in the 60s or the 50s or the 70s. Um, And the reliance on the passage of time is just not something that can on its own preclude the possibility that your current condition is related to service. So if that is something that the examiner is saying in your case, or if you just generally speaking get an unfavorable opinion and the examiner is not able to connect your current uh, disability to service, Nick, what are some things that you can do to um, combat an unfavorable opinion? Sure. So one of the biggest things that we often try to do is work with a veteran and their families to obtain lay evidence. Um, because although they can't determine the precise severity of their hearing loss because they're not an audiologist, hearing loss and tinnitus are both things that were, are a veteran's competent to provide testimony on. They know that they have trouble hearing things. They're able to detect problems that they have communicating with other people. So they can provide a statement describing how long they've had that problem, how long it's persisted. And on that same end, a veteran's family members presumably have known them for a long time. They've lived with them day in and day out. And you know when someone has hearing loss, you need to repeat things. You need to speak loudly in certain situations. So if they can provide a lay statement to that effect, talking about how those problems have existed since service, that's a way to sort of try and overcome a negative VA examination. And then, Emma, any other additional information that a claimant could submit if they're trying to um, show that their condition is related to service? Sure. So I think going off of Nick's point, hearing loss is a special condition, like a couple other conditions that can be considered chronic. Um, So if you can show that you've had these complaints throughout time, um, one way would be lay evidence. Another way would be if you went and saw a private doctor or anyone else, you you decided to get some hearing aids um, or, you know, amplification for your home phone. If you can, you can talk about that and report that, even if at that time it wasn't, you know, hearing loss for VA purposes, but you had complaints of, you know, issues with hearing throughout time, that can also be helpful proof. Mm -hmm. Um, that you're that that form that nexus between your current disability and service, mm-hmm. and then I think the the option that's there, but is sometimes the most difficult to achieve, is to just get your own opinion right. from a doctor. So if a VA examiner is issuing a negative opinion, saying that it's not the evidence doesn't support a nexus or a connection between your current mm-hmm. condition and service, you can get another doctor to write an opinion um, if that doctor is able to provide a favorable opinion. But that can be difficult. Um, sometimes there are issues with access to a doctor who's going to be able to do that for you. Uh, but it is something that is an option, certainly. And sometimes it can be very powerful to have, obviously, a medical right. professional talking about why there's a link between what you have now and what went on in service. And Yeah, but because VA is so specific about hearing loss mm-hmm. and it's right in the regulation, you want to make sure that this person is a licensed audiologist and that they're performing these two tests at the VA doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can get your hands on a copy of that VA CMP exam and bring it to your audiologist and say, I need you to perform these two tests, um, then that would be really helpful because <clears throat> I've seen VA time and again will throw out a private opinion if they don't use that Maryland speech discrimination test, if they don't you know, test at the right thresholds, um, or if it's not a licensed audiologist, if it's someone who works for you know, like Miracle Ear or one of those sort of standalone hearing loss um, aid program mm-hmm. stores. Um, 
it can be tricky. So, um, but definitely very powerful if you can get your own audiologist. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you oh. to, uh, <laughs> just to make sure that it was clear. Cause I'm not sure if I asked it before, yeah. um, but it does need to be a licensed audiologist that's performing these tests. So, um, keep that in mind. Um, if you are going to try to ask a doctor or a medical professional to write an opinion on your behalf, or if you're just going to talk to them about whether there's anything that they can help you with, to um, fight a negative VA examiner's opinion. Um, and in addition to some evidence that you can support with your original or your first claim for service connection, sometimes you might be in the position where you want to submit more evidence if you have to appeal a denial. So for instance, if you file your claim, the VA denies you, so you receive a decision denying your claim, and then you decide to appeal it, but there's more things that you want to say. There's more information that you want to provide the VA with. Nick, can you... Um, um, tell us what the best way to go about that is, especially given the changes to the um, the appeal structure. Sure. So if your case is still in the old system where you filed an NOD or you filed a substantive appeal with your SOC, um, you can basically submit that evidence at any time. Um, but there are certain rules that you need to follow in the new system. Um, if you're filing a supplemental claim with a previously denied appeals modernization decision, you can submit the new evidence with the supplemental claim. Um, but if you're further along in the process um, and your case is going to the board, for example, you can only submit evidence within 90 days um, of filing an NOD and selecting the evidence docket. Or if you submit the select the hearing docket, you have 90 days after the date of the hearing in which to submit that evidence. Um, and if you're in the higher level review lane, you can't submit the new evidence at that point. Um, but obviously, you have options to send your case to the board or to file a supplemental claim thereafter. Perfect. Emma, anything you wanted to add to that? You can switch lanes if you're within a year um, of that initial decision. So if you change your mind about <clears throat> which lane you picked and you do have new evidence, you could always switch. Great. And once again, everyone, we are here today at Chisholm, Chisholm, and Kilpatrick, and we're talking about hearing loss and tinnitus. And it looks like we have a question. Um, and the question is from, I believe, Roman, and he wants to know um, whether a Marine veteran who was working daily on the flight line and the flight deck while he was deployed, um, what kind of evidence that person would need to establish a nexus, it seems like, between his current condition and service. And I think the important thing is that there, it seems like there have been um, several years that have passed since service. Mm -hmm. um, eight years is what the question is saying. So um, do we have any generic um, things that we could say about what steps might be appropriate to take uh, given these facts? Absolutely. I think that the generic steps of, steps of any service connection claims, mm -hmm. this would apply not just tinnitus, but um, anything you're claiming would be to file your claim, tell VA why you think your current disability is due to service in as much detail as you can, um, and then you unfortunately have to sit back and wait for them to, one, get your records, um, and two, hopefully get a, a medical exam. Um, if you... Um, have a diagnosis from a doctor, all the better, um, but as much detail as possible. Okay, great. Nick, anything you want to add? Um, just in that specific case, you mentioned having documentation of the pay that you received for serving on the flight mm -hmm. deck. Um, it's always a good idea to submit any service records that you do maintain copies of because it can help substantiate your reports that you would have had exposure to the hearing loss while serving in your duties aboard the ship. Right. Perfect. And then something that comes up from that question also, since the passage of time, 
always seems to be an issue. Um, sometimes we see where people will supply VA with information about their post-service noise exposure. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe it would be, and I think this is something that can come up anytime a VA examiner is saying, oh, it's been so many years and so it can't possibly possibly be related to service. You can also let them know that you have spent many years after service without any significant mm-hmm. um, hazardous noise exposure or maybe if you were exposed to noise on a regular basis, you wore hearing protection after service but not in service. Things like that can be helpful. Um, so we're going to move on to secondary service connection really briefly and then we're going to talk about ratings. Um, Nick, do you want to cover secondary service connection quickly and just give us um, what it is and it, does it ever come into play in tinnitus and hearing loss cases? Sure. So secondary service connection is where the condition itself isn't necessarily directly related to service, um, but it's develops as a result of or is approximately due to some underlying condition that is service connected. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not generally speaking a common thing that comes up in the context of hearing loss and tinnitus, um, but there are certain conditions that can manifest with other symptoms and then result in hearing loss and tinnitus later on. Uh, one example is traumatic brain injuries, um, and then it can also come up in the context of Meniere syndrome, where it might manifest initially as vertigo, dizziness, things like that, and then hearing loss and tinnitus can manifest later on. Okay, great. And I know we have other information on our website and we have done other videos that are more in depth about secondary service connection. That on its own can be a little bit of a tricky area. Um, So you might want to reference those materials if you're thinking that secondary service connection is relevant to what you're um, claiming. Um, So now we're going to talk about ratings. Emma, how does VA rate tinnitus? There's a specific... 10% flat. That's it. You're not getting any more or any less. It's 10%. That's it. You obviously can claim an increased rating for tinnitus, you are 99.5% not going to get it. Um, you could always try for an extra scheduler rating for a unique um, condition. Maybe that objective tinnitus that Nick was talking about, if you couldn't rate the underlying disease appropriately, might warrant something jazzier um, because that really would be an interesting mm-hmm. situation. But if you have just plain old tinnitus, you're getting a 10% um, and you're getting one single 10%, you're not getting a rating for each ear. Um, so keep that in mind. It's 10% is 10% is 10%. And hearing loss is different. So tell Correct. us about how they rate hearing loss. Hearing loss gets, again, even more mechanical and complex than just getting diagnosed with hearing loss for VA purposes. Um, so VA will take the uh, results of that pure tone um, threshold test and they'll average it for each each ear at certain frequencies um, and then they'll take it's like a grid chart and they'll take you know let's say you have 30 in one ear and 20 in another ear they'll they'll line them up and then it tells the uh, the rater what your rating should be um, based on what level hearing loss they've decided you have level one through I think level six maybe Seven. Go up to ten or eleven. Oh well, it's very difficult. Let me tell you to get past level one. Um, it, you have to have real deafness going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they make it very difficult. So um, VA will, you know, take the averages. It's a mechanical application, and it spits out what your rating should be. Um, there are exceptions for exceptional patterns of hearing loss. There's a different table VA will use for that. But same thing I think applies mm-hmm. is that um, you can have some pretty severe hearing loss and still end up with a zero or a ten percent rating. So mm-hmm. just be aware of that. And how do they rate? Do they rate both ears together or do they rate them separately? How does that work? Yes, it's it's one rating. Unless you have um, hearing loss in just one ear, um, and then they will rate that ear, but they're going to give your left ear or right ear, the one that's not um, impaired, the, you know, the 
the full rating. And so you're probably going to average out to something pretty low mm-hmm. um, in terms of level of hearing loss. But you get, again, same thing like a tinnitus, you get one rating for both ears. Mm-hmm. And Nick, can you obtain, uh, what's the highest rating that you can get for hearing loss? So, sure. So uh, hearing loss is one of the conditions that VA considers when severe enough to be totally disabling. Mm-hmm. So hearing loss can in and of itself be assigned to 100% evaluation. And are there any other avenues for additional benefits or additional compensation beyond just a scheduler rating is what we say when it's based on the the diagnostic code and the rating criteria for hearing loss? Yeah. So there are a few things that come into play. If a veteran has a 100% evaluation for hearing loss or hearing loss that's more severe, the regulation directs them to specifically consider um, special monthly compensation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the regulation (coughs) 3.350 tells them to assign at at a minimum uh, a K at the K level, which is a little over $100 a month based off of loss of use of the sense of sound. Um, so that's only assigned automatically if you have the scheduler 100% rating for hearing loss. Um, but if you suffer from additional disabilities that affect other aspects of your functioning, like vision problems, you might be entitled to additional higher levels of SMC. Um, and there are also situations where if your hearing loss is so severe and you require the need of another person to assist you with the activity of daily living and other issues, you might be entitled to a higher level based off of that need for assistance from another person. Okay, great. And again, um, I know that we have covered special monthly compensation Mm -hmm. in other forums and through um, blog posts and videos and things like that. That gets particularly complicated um, beyond just the regular rating process for hearing loss. So um, we would refer you to that in case any issues with SMC are coming up in your case. Um, And what, Emma, tell us about the possibility of obtaining additional benefits if your hearing loss or tinnitus uh, prevent you from working. Sure. So you always can claim if it if it's true, you can always mm-hmm. can, can claim that your service connected disabilities prevent you from working in an attempt to secure a hundred percent benefit total disability due to individual employ- unemployability. Um, so for folks that need hearing for their occupational um, experience, vocational background, um, a lot of I know truck drivers have to pass a test for DOT that requires hearing. Um, I could see someone that works in sort of like a management safety type situation that needs to be able to hear other people. Um, you know, if, if you have a, a, a work history like that and your hearing loss impacts your ability to work, you certainly need can claim that with VA and explain to them why your hearing loss and or tinnitus together um, might prevent you from working. But it certainly is, is one of the options available. And then it's also possible, too, that you have multiple service-connected mm-hmm. conditions where hearing loss and tinnitus might be one or two of them. And the effects of the hearing loss and the tinnitus are important to uh, make VA aware of because all of those things can be um, positive evidence in favor of your entitlement to TDIU or unemployability benefits generally um, if if you're working with multiple service-connected issues. Um, And so, Nick, what kinds of evidence might a person want to submit in support of a claim for an increased rating for hearing loss? Because as Emma said before, increased rating for tinnitus is not happening. Um, It's a 10, a 10, a 10, I think. It's a 10. Something like that. (laughs) So there's no no avenue there, really. But what about for hearing loss claims? Sure. So the most important thing, which related to a point that Emma made earlier, is just how mechanical VA's process for rating hearing loss disabilities is. If you're seeking an increased rating, for your hearing loss because you know that it's gotten worse, the best and first way that you should approach that is to see if you can get an opinion from a licensed state audiologist 
so that they can conduct the test that VA requires and so that you can demonstrate an actual increase in your hearing loss and tinnitus. Um, obviously, if you make the complaint and you show, have some evidence to substantiate the issue, VA will schedule you for an exam, but it wouldn't hurt to get your own exam up front if that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, and then otherwise, as always, lay evidence. It's the way to go. You can describe the problems that you're having, how it's gotten worse since your last VA examination, um, and your family members can do the same. Perfect. And I want to wrap up with a couple of things that um, you both think about or things that you see frequently, common mistakes or common pitfalls that are involved in hearing loss and tinnitus cases, whether it be service connection or increased rating. What are some things that we commonly see VA doing wrong and what are some things that people should keep in mind when they're pursuing these claims? Sure. So one of the more common things I've seen is VA relying on the veterans' lack of complaints of hearing loss and tinnitus right when they get out of service. Mm -hmm. um, but oftentimes, the thing to consider is that one, a veteran might not realize how bad their hearing loss is when they first leave service. Right. Um, and they might not know what tinnitus is until somebody tells them about it many years later. Mm -hmm. So just because you didn't complain about it in service, it's not the end of the day. VA still needs to consider everything that you tell them about how long those conditions have been persistent. Um, I think a common that, that I think is the number one pitfall mm -hmm. for service connection is an examiner relying on a clean separation exam um, to say, well, there was no hearing loss and hearing loss doesn't get worse. It just exists in this bubbly vacuum. Um, so that's I think for service connection, that's that's it. But for increased rating, I think it's filing the increased rating claim without doing anything in, in anticipation of the fact that it's really hard to get an increased rating mm -hmm. for hearing loss. So just filing the IR claim, sitting back, waiting for the VA exam to happen, unless you really know that your, your hearing loss has shifted dramatically in those frequencies, um, which I think might be hard to perceive. Um, on your own, I think getting the lay evidence together, describing how it affects your day-to-day -day life. Um, is it affecting you emotionally? Is it affecting your relationships? Is it affecting work? Um, are other things happening because of your hearing loss? I don't know. Are you, are you getting scared to leave the house because you're concerned for your safety? Um, anything you can do to describe how uh, the condition has worsened beyond just, I can't hear, or it's getting worse, um, would be really helpful because it is hard to show just, and it is really, really mechanical. Um, so at the end of the day, Anything you can do to kind of push it forward would be helpful. And it seems like we've been talking a lot about the importance of lay evidence mm -hmm. in these kinds of cases. And so something that comes to mind for me is that we commonly see um, VA question the claimant's credibility or the veteran's mm -hmm. credibility. Um, sometimes they think, as Emma said before, if there were no issues noted on the separation exam and there were no treatment records over the years for hearing loss, they take that to mean that the veteran is not credibly reporting that they have had symptoms over the years and things like that. <laughs> so I think in those instances, it's important to try to get or pinpoint what's really going on, why they're really denying the claim, and why they think that your reports are not believable for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And if that's happening, it totally helps to spell out in no uncertain terms why maybe you didn't have treatment over the years, why your separation exam might say that there was no hearing loss, um, and you know why your reports um, don't undercut those things or why they're not inconsistent with those things. Mm -hmm. I know I'm sure that you can both attest to the same thing that you see these credibility findings a lot when the lay evidence is so important. So mm -hmm. it can be critical to make sure you're looking through whatever VA is relying on and submitting statements that can account for 
um, you know, perceived issues that they're seeing. Yeah. And one other important thing to mention, based off of Emma's point about being explicit about explaining how it affects specific aspects about your daily life, is that hearing loss is one of the more common conditions that you see VA try to reduce mm-hmm. just because it's one of those conditions that's rated so mechanically. But if you're able to show that even though your specific decibel measurements have gotten slightly better, you still have the same problems under the ordinary conditions of life and work, that your current rating should still be maintained. That's a great point. Absolutely. Any additional questions? Perfect. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, Once again, we're here at Chisholm Chisholm and Kilpatrick, and we hope to see you next time. This episode of the Veterans Legal Lowdown was produced by Chisholm, Chisholm, and Kilpatrick, a law firm representing veterans nationwide in their VA disability claims. If you're interested in a free case evaluation with CCK, give us a call at 844-549-4500 or visit our website at cck-law.com.